Morning, team. So that was it. So it was good. 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 Finished at the Mermaid. Did like the Mermaid. Nice people. Very nice. Very nice people. Very nice tea and coffee. Very common. Very clean. Very warm. Nick a tea bag. No, I didn't. Strange enough. Perhaps I should. I did take my own tea bag. Did you nick tea bags? I took a couple. You didn't, did you? Yeah, oh God! If they've heard that, that'll go on my bill. Oh. Well, no. I mean, just like a chamomile. Oh, right, okay. And, uh, and uh, green tea for... What else? Tea. What else did you take? You didn't get the chair and the ironing board out, did you, as no, you said no, you were going to? No, no, no. I found an iron upstairs. I was quite impressed, actually. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, there was one in my dressing room. Oh, you had, oh, you had one in your dressing room? Mm. Oh, I had one in the dressing room next door, so I pinched that one. Okay. I just got Jan to ar- Giles to iron a shirt, which he didn't do very well, it has to be said. It was still creased by the time he'd finished. I said, turn the iron on, silly boy. Anyway, it's not cold out there. It's nice. Yeah. Nice. It's lovely. It's warm, mild. You'll go out with your shirt undone, you know. I bet. Showing a bit. Lovely. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow. Au revoir. Bye. There's Anthony. Off into the wild blue yonder, which is the colour of the screen we've got this morning in the studio. The phone screen has gone blue. We had it all day yesterday, and frankly, I'm going to have to turn it around because it makes you ill watching it. It's the only thing that comes up blue in the studio. Everything else, we've got blues in here, but when you get a blue screen on a, on a phone box thing, it's a pe- you can't change it back. It's broken. It's completely, as they say in the business, buggered. Okay, it's one of those kind of things. We tried yesterday to change the colour of it because I'm assuming there's like a colour chart you can do, but uh, but um, no, I'm afraid oh dear, it didn't uh, didn't work at all. No, I was just explaining to uh, to Anthony. Out of the uh, 1,200 people, just under 1,200 people, because a few people had to drop out because of the weather. One complaint about the show. And some some poor poor man writing in saying that uh, it was the same show as Hornchurch. I felt like saying... I felt like writing back... I mean, A, it wasn't. It wasn't at all the same as Hornchurch. B, I felt like writing back and saying... Listen, uh, it, it's, it's like writing to Andrew Lloyd Webber and saying, Twelve years ago, I went to see Phantom of the Opera. I went to see it again the other day. He's still wearing the bloody mask. It's outrageous. Why have you not changed the show? You know, or Ricky Gervais. You know, if you're a fan of somebody like Ricky Gervais, you go see the show. He tours the same show for a year. We've actually done it twice. Twice. Once at Hornchurch and once there. So I was going to write back and go, stop being a silly girl's blouse. But I thought, no, no, no. Because he obviously writes to Andrew Lloyd Webber as well at the same time. Uh, and then I watched The X Factor. Well, all the papers are full of it this morning. Fiddle, you know, fiddle. And, uh, have you seen this share? It's the first time I've actually watched this silly share girl who sat there and sort of shivered as if she didn't have a coat on and sort of did the fake crying. I mean, either... Two things. She's either the world's worst actress, in which case we'll shove her in Emmerdale, or failing that, she's on the nerve of a, of a nervous breakdown, in which case she shouldn't even be allowed on television. Or the whole thing is the biggest fiddle going, because they kicked Mary out. And as all the fans have said of the show, what is the point of you phoning up and pledging hard-earned money to get rid of somebody when it comes down to the judges? And you know that they're doing what they're told. So it's it's as simple as that. It's, strange enough, even Danny Minogue kind of missed the point and went completely off kilter when uh, somebody phoned up when they have the uh, the audience phoning up in the second part of the show. It's where Connie Huck attempts to ask an intelligent question and fails miserably. And so somebody phoned up and said, said to Danny, do you not think, uh, in, in the light of, of what we've heard, that this is an entertainment show, nothing to do with singing? And Danny, thick as a brick, says... Listen, if people couldn't sing, they'd be voted out on the first week. And the audience then went dead quiet, and then they started booing her, and people were shouting out, what about Wagner? What about all these other people who can't sing? I mean, quite clearly, Danny Minogue, brown-nosing away. I mean, Wagner couldn't sing for Toffee. 
And so she was saying that if somebody couldn't sing, they'd be voted out straight away. He, he was in there till last week. Stupid woman. Stupid woman. I mean, and then you get... I mean, I can't work out Louis Walsh. Is he getting camper by the week or what? He minced off the stage with Mary, who unfortunately got voted off. Admittedly, not a great singer. Not a great singer. But then it doesn't matter. She's the big fat bird who worked on the till at Tesco, and she manages to weave in Tesco on everything. I'm assuming Tesco are paying for the free plugs. It can only be that. And you know that Mary's going to be modelling clothes for Tesco, don't you? Like, she, she has a contract to model clothes for... T- I mean, geez, you kind of lose the will to live, don't you? So the hefty hideaway bird is in... I mean, you, you could stick her in hairspray. She can't sing very well at all. She's OK for the Caravan Park karaoke stuff, but she's, she cannot hold her own. Whereas Cher, again, not a very good singer at all, but does this sort of... <laughs> and you think, why don't you just go home, you stupid waste of space? And Whittacombe's gone. No, I knew she'd gone. I'll tell you for how... Because somebody said to me yesterday morning at 10 o'clock, Anne Widdicombe's going from the X Factor. Uh, sorry, from the uh, Strictly Come Dancing. I went, really? Yeah, she's, she's, she's going today. And blow me down, I watched the programme, it gets voted off, Anne Widdicombe. Very interesting, because uh, one of the papers has done... We've had a couple of uh, the papers have done interviews with uh, Anne Widdicombe. And um, she's, uh, she's not the fun person you think she is. She's quite... She said to them, listen, I know which way this interview's going... She said, and I'm separating strictly from, from my political stuff. So she, she wouldn't have it at all. And they started asking her questions. And she said, I'm not answering that. I'm not answering that because I, th- because I know what you're doing. You're leading me down a different, uh, a different path. And so con- consequently, we had one of those sort of strange interviews whereby she quite clearly puts her foot down, stamps it and says, I'll do what I want when I want. And then she was asked about why she'd voted um, against Clause 28, why she'd voted 17 times against giving same-sex couples the same rights as straight couples. Homophobia. Simple as that. 17 times she voted against it. 17 times. So far from being a friend of Dorothy, she's an enemy of Dorothy, I'm afraid. It's as simple as that. There's also a woman in the paper today, a vile piece of work, Terry Edkins. She's in the paper today. Um, she claimed... You can tell she's uh, another one of these fraudulent people. To be fatally ill with a brain tumour, bone cancer and leukaemia. She conned well-wishers out of thousands of pounds. She had all her hair shaved off. She's quite clearly so deranged we should have her just put away somewhere as quickly as possible. Um, She told family and friends, family and friends, she had six months to live. She shaved all her hair off. She went into the hospital. She would go out through, through the back door. She'd sit there, have a few fags. The husband would wait in the car park. She'd walk out and go, I've had, I've had the leukaemia treatment, but I've only got... And she gave interviews to local newspapers. I've only got a few months to live. This is, this is my dream to do. So people handed over money to this fraudulent old bag. So here she is in the paper today. And uh, she's accused of defrauding God loads of people. Her, her mother-in-law says we couldn't believe it. Loads of people have helped her. Now we've had to go around telling them that she's a compulsive liar. But you do get people like this. They're life saddos. They are, the, you know, the stupid people for whom you think you're an attention seeker. There's another bloke in the paper today. He calls 999. He pretends to be drunk in the road. And so people call 999 and he just, he just wants the attention of an ambulance turning up. So, of course, they have to turn up because just in case he might snuff it, they want to get there to see if they can save him. But, of course, every time he gets up and laughs and points at him because he's a drunk. And they're now set, even though he's got asbos... They still have to go out because that's what the ambulances do. The amount of stupid people who call ambulances nowadays. I tell you what, I think you should take them to court. Charge them. Charge them. I'm sorry, the ambulance just came out. It's 250 quid. 
You know, the NHS need the money. Let's take it from you. You know, it's like people who sit by the side of the road begging. No, I haven't got any money. I'm not giving it to you. I don't give to chuggers either. We definitely don't give to chuggers. We absolutely do not give to chuggers. One leapt in front of me the other day. I nearly floored him. I tell you, don't... Hello? Have you got two minutes? No, I'm bloody well I haven't got two minutes. They don't take no for an answer. And so when, I, when I've argued with them on a couple of occasions, I said, don't do chuggers. Ah, oh, come on. I said, listen, how much are you earning? Ten pounds an hour? And you're trying to get money out of people. Don't you feel guilty and embarrassed? Don't you feel ashamed? No, of course you don't. Because you're just thieving off people, and then you're going to go back. Because they go to the charity and they go, listen, we, we can send you irritating children out on the street to jump in front of you. And I saw them in Starbucks the other day. Nice to know they can afford to be in Starbucks, you know, because I thought Starbucks, actually a cup of coffee was quite expensive. Raising money for sort of children starving, I thought they'd go to the local transport cafe. Maybe have a cup of tea for, you know, 50p. But no, they want to spend two and a half quid on a frothy cup of coffee. They sit there working out the strategy. It's like in, in Twickenham, for some reason, local Starbucks let the street cleaners in in their fluorescent jackets, to sit there on the nice furniture and having a cup of coffee. These are the street cleaners. Yeah, but I don't think you should sit there in work clothes. We've, we, we've actually got pubs in Twickenham, we've probably got them round your way, which says, no work clothes. You don't want people in dirty clothes. I don't want some street cleaner sitting there in their filthy, dirty clothes on the nice couches. It's like people who put their feet up on the seats of trains. Get your feet off! Stupid people. Anyway, uh, you've also crowned um, Stacey, Queen of the Jungle. Miss Thi- Why does she go- <laughs> like that before she even opens her mouth? She gurns, and then she goes into it. Oh, the other thing that was the fiddle on The X Factor, the other thing that was the fiddle was when um, Simon Cowell said to uh, Cher, uh, well, don't worry, because on your first album there's going to be a duet with you and Cheryl. So people are going... So she's already got an album deal, and Cheryl Cole is going to be singing on it as well. Nothing like a good old fiddled programme. But then it was interesting because somebody phoned up and said, oh, you know, Louis, how do you feel about the fact that JLS didn't win but have done really well? And Louis said quite rightly, he said, well, it doesn't matter, he said, because he said there are four very good people here. The fact that there weren't was neither here nor there. And he said they'll all do very well and have an album. And Simon went, Louis, that's not the point. They were arguing like two girls yesterday. It was really embarrassing. And he said, that's not the point. He said, the whole idea is to win. And Louis, quite rightly, because he's not the brightest penny in the box, came back and said, yes, but Simon, it doesn't matter, because even if somebody comes second, they're still going to have an album out, aren't they? And Simon then comes back with, no, the idea is to win. He said, I want my act to win. He wants One Direction to win, which they will. There is no doubt about it, either Matt or One Direction. But if, if One Direction don't win and Matt wins it, then they will have an album. Cher's obviously already got an album deal out. And I'm assuming the other one. So they'll all have albums out because it's all done to make money. It's, it's an entertainment show. The fact they won't be here in 18 months' time, is, it makes no difference. I was looking, they had a programme on Channel 4 the other day, was it Channel 4? Yeah, and they had um, uh, all the Christmas number ones, and it was amazing how many X Factor winners there were on there who'd had Christmas number ones who had disappeared completely. And already, they're running at the end of X Factor the adverts for, would you like to be in the next X Factor? So they're already trawling for next year's series. So this lot, they'll have the... Al- and if Simon can get four hit albums out of it, he is going to be cock-a-hoop. Four... You know, to get two hit albums, a miracle. To get four hit albums would be fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. They've got the Help for Heroes single there, but as I say, I'd, I would love to put all the people in the room and say, OK, let's hear you singing now. 
You know, without all the auto-tune stuff, let's hear you singing, because 90% of them can't sing. We had them on the Band-Aids, because that was the number one Christmas record, and they showed you behind the scenes making it, when they had all sorts of strange people, you know, like people, well, boy, boy George when he had hair and looked reasonably normal. And uh, George Michael was there looking a bit of a girl's blouse with lots of lots of hair and so very, very camp. And everybody sang on it. But to be honest with you, it was a pile of rubbish, the record. Because as Jimmy Carr said, you know, that, you know talking about the uh, there's no water in Africa, he said there's three of the biggest rivers in the entire universe in Africa. He said so it was a pile of old rubbish. And even Bob Geldof admitted it was one of the worst songs he'd ever written. Mind you, I thought he wrote worse, but that's just my opinion. These are the headlines. A crackdown starts later on shops selling sexualised products to young children. Things like T-shirts with inappropriate messages. Researchers will see if shops need a code of conduct to prevent things being put on shelves. The feeling is it's forcing children to grow up too quickly. The Foreign Office has issued a warning about sharks if you're heading off to Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt. An attack has left a German woman dead. Days after another attack left four other tourists badly injured. And get ready for much faster internet connections. £830 million is being spent on the best network in Europe, we're told. But it won't be in place until 2015. Let's have a check on the roads for you this morning. Get you there nice and quick. Jay Louis. Hey, good news. Apart from the fact that Anne, Anne Widdicombe is, uh, is going. She knew she was going to go. But she's just not telly-friendly. She doesn't, you know, no matter what, what you put her in, she does look like the dance of the sugar plum fairy that's gone horribly wrong. I mean, it is, she's, I, I, I don't know, I, I would have thought, because being the larger size, that there are clothes out there which are very flattering and you can, and you can hide that. But most of her stuff seems to be like a normal sort of top and then, then this glitter thing at the bottom, sort of generally worn by people who dribble and sort of stand staring into space in the high street. And, that, and, and I thought, they could have found a better... They're supposed to have the best designers. Pamela Stevenson was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But the good news is, this morning, that Callum Best has found true love with a stunning Italian model. Her name is uh, Simona Sofia. And he said, this is the one. I thought, I bet she's got money. Because Callum Best has got diddly squat. And he's, he's, he's done, you know. I'm sure it's true love for him. But let's face it, he has slept with just most of show business. I'm sick to death of seeing how many people Callum Best has actually had relations with. And he was known as a Lothario. In fact, that's what they booked him on shows for. Because he was Callum Best. They went, oh, he'll be trying it on with so-and-so. And that's all he did. He never actually had a proper job. He was always sort of George Best's wayward son, who didn't do diddly squat and just went out with women and turned up in nightclubs, generally owned by friends of his. And, of course, you know, George left him nothing in the will apart from a watch, which they say is worth 75000 <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, right. But uh, Simone added, uh, Callum's had a crazy life, but he's actually so sensitive, he's actually quite insecure. <laughs> Don't have to tell us that. We've seen him on the television. Not only insecure, but rubbish. The other thing is, I can only advise you, if you're going to Sharm el-Sheikh, don't. Because this is now the third shark attack. In this particular case, and there is a, an eyewitness report from a woman who was in Sharm el-Sheikh with her family. She's in the water. There is a German woman who is snorkelling. And this shark, they saw it from the top of the cliffs. This shark launched itself at this woman bit off her lower torso, she's screaming. Bearing in mind, this is Sharm el-Sheikh, it's full of families, the reason being, it's cheap to go there. The, the alcohol is an arm and a leg, if you'll pardon the expression. It's so expensive, it appeals to Russians. Russians will happily pay 50 quid for a bottle of cheap wine. 
This woman gets bitten. She's screaming in English, help me, help me, help me. The, the, um, the people on the beach, the lifeguards, do nothing. They stand there, they do nothing. Now, I, I don't know what you're supposed to do when a shark attacks. What happens is that out in Sharm el-Sheikh, they have boats that go out and you can feed sharks. They can either put you down into a cage, and of course we all think it's very funny, don't we? Oh, look, wave, wave a piece of meat and the shark will come up. What they don't realise is that if you don't go out there for a while, these sharks get hungry. So they've got no idea, you know, somebody thrashing about in the water doing something. They've got no idea what it is. They're not going to go, I think that's a person. What, what they tend to do is bite and discover that we're not the kind of flesh they want to eat. But by that time, it's too late. People had to stand on the beach and watch as this 70-year-old German woman's body was washed up on the beach. Minus half her torso and an arm. Now, that is the kind of thing that makes me think, I don't want to go to that place. And even the Foreign Office have actually come out and said, be careful. In other words, what, what, what they're saying is, we can't guarantee your safety. If you want to go out there, they've got sharks. You wouldn't have thought they had sharks, but they've got sharks. And what they've done is, over the years, they've bloody well encouraged them to come in to be fed so they can make money. It's like all the people in Ayanapa. All the people who had bars in Ayanapa. Oh, it's disgraceful. These drunk tourists. These are the ones who are minting it. All the people who got the bars in Ayanapa. When we, when we speak, you know, to Nathan Morley, he'll tell you for years they've been coining it over there. The moment it turns nasty and they get all the drunk people from up north down there and things like that, they don't want to know about it. But up until then, they very happily lined their own pockets. So over in Sharm el-Sheikh, to be honest with you, the Russians don't go anywhere near the water anyway. They're too busy sort of swigging all the booze. But they will pay minimum 50 quid for a bottle of wine. And that's why it prohibits the Brits buying wine. There are certain places that you can buy wine and certain places you can't buy wine. But it's really expensive. But having seen the picture of a shark that they dragged out of the sea saying, this is the killer, you wouldn't stand a cat in hell's chance with this thing. You've only got to look at the teeth in it. It's not a particularly big shark. This one looks about seven feet long, not particularly wide. But you look at its teeth, and because of the angle of them, when it bites, it doesn't do a... it rips. Because you can't, you can't pull away from it. The lady, Ellen Barnes hurled herself towards the water, towards the beach, as the water around her turned red with blood, but she found it quite difficult to make any headway as the thrashing shark tearing off the arm and biting the leg off this screaming German woman created waves all around her. I mean, you can only imagine the sheer horror of this moment. Absolutely dreadful. So my advice is, and the Foreign Office advice, if you're going to Sharm el-Sheikh, don't let the kids in the water, but they're going to want to go in the water. The advice is, stay in the swimming pools. Because it's got to be safer. Unless they, they sort something out, not good at all, I'm afraid. Not good at all. Uh, Paul says, um, first uh, of all, glad the shows went so well and you're feeling better again. As a poor Manchester person, bereft of entertainment, I've already decided to get tickets for your show as my New Year resolution. By the way, I agree with you over the mermaid. Why break something if you don't need fixing? I think it'll be around for a, for a couple of years yet. They've got the planning permission in, but to be honest, it's such a nice venue. Everybody said how nice it was. You know, really good. Uh, on the X Factor, would have been happier if Cher had walked off. I'm sick of the crocodile tears. She stood there visibly shaking yesterday. And I'm watching her thinking, are you just a bad actress? Or is this? Or are you, are you going through a breakdown? Because if you're going through a breakdown, they've got to get you off stage as quick. It was like doing a Susan... Should... <laughs> like, like somebody was standing in a fridge with no clothes on. It was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And I'm thinking... And then at the end, because I want you to love me. And we had all this kind of... I'm thinking, get off the stage, you boring old bag. It's like watching Emmerdale at the moment and they've got a drug story. Well, I'm sick to death of it. 
sick to... T- I said the other day that they've got this... Stu- this is Emmerdale. Emmerdale is, you know, lambs and... No, 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 not in Emmerdale. No, homosexuals, people sleeping around, murderers, and now we've got a heroin addict being fed heroin by her mother, who's now her dealer. This is in Emmerdale. I mean, I ask you, Annie Sugden, come back, love, all is forgiven. You know, gone are the days when they sat round the kitchen table and went, oh, I think we'll start lambing tomorrow. And Joe Sugden would say, I'll go out to Fields, Mum. And that, and you saw him walking, and that was it. Nowadays, you've got a heroin addict, you've got two, two gay guys in a village, one of whom's on a life support machine. You've got a woman screaming in a bedroom because she's coming off her drugs. The stupidest family in the world, running a farm, which appears to have no animals, but they've got a tractor. They've got no money at all. We can all, all afford to drink in the pub. You've got the campus vet under the sun who seems to want to adopt everybody's children. He's a bit peculiar, and the sooner we get rid of him. And the nice Viv who runs the corner shop is the one they're getting rid of. The only one who's got any sense. But you've got this stupid family where they spend all their time crying, and the girl is in the bedroom. She's a heroin addict. And um, she's begged her mum, please, please mum, we have this every week. It's, it's now getting to, to the point where I want to go round there, seal up the house, and take it away somewhere else. Please, mum, please. And then mum starts crying, I can't, I can't. And then the brother comes in, mum, you shouldn't, you should And it's, it's, the whole thing is like that. The only one who's actually not crying is the father, but I don't think he's the father of the children. He only looks about 12. I don't think it's possible. So anyway, so now the mum's gone out and bought heroin to give it to the daughter. No mention of going to get help in the local hospital. You know, there's, there's none of this going on. And I'm sort of thinking, if you want to set the good example, you go and get proper treatment. You don't keep your daughter locked in the bedroom and then go out and get her heroin. And the mum goes, but I'm trying trying to get her off heroin and the, and the, the brother's going but mum it's not helping and i'm sitting there thinking it's really awful this program it's just dr- bring back the lambs and the bunnies and things and fields as opposed to underage sex you know a pub full of drunks who've got no idea everybody's sleeping with everybody else it's emmerdale it's turned into sort of just the most ghastly place on earth it's awful dreadful 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 i'm afraid dreadful um, oh, we've, oh, the good news is that we, we've sent home Faisal Wangita. It's good news, isn't it? You know who he is? He's the evil son of the bloodthirsty dictator Idi Amin, dead, thank God. And now we've got rid of the son as well. This was the man who was put on a one-way flight. He was jailed for five years for GBH and violent disorder after the horrific murder of a student, part of a gang that chased down uh, Somalians and then knifed him more than 20 times. And we finally, finally finally kicked this piece of filth out. Mind you, like father, like son, as they say, and nobody was more revolting than Idi Amin. This is the man who kept his enemies' heads in his fridge. This is how disgusting and filthy he was. And we go, oh, that's all right. Like, I never understand why it takes us such a long time. Such a long time. That's quite nice, isn't it? There's a, a, a former choir boy in the paper today. His name is uh, Jason Boucher. 27 years ago, when he was 30... Sorry. Bit of an Emmerdale moment. He stole from the collecting plate. He stole uh, five pounds. Now, I don't know about you, but 27 years ago, five quid was a lot of money, and he nicked it from the collecting plate in the church. And 27 years later, Jason has given the money back. He spent it on sweets. Hell of a lot of sweets for a fiver. But he spent it on sweets, but now his conscience got the best of him, and he gave it back. So that's today. We do goes into everything we do. Prices from 13995 it's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast, LBC 97.3. Time now is 
Morning, team. Nice to be company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Monday morning. Ugh, ugh, ugh. Nobody likes Monday morning. I've just realised, actually, you might better help me on this one. Five pounds that was stolen by Jason Boucher 27 years ago. How much should he have paid back? All he did was stick a fiver in an envelope. Cheap, tight so-and-so. I've decided I've I've turned this one around completely now. How much do you reckon... Because you might have to work this out, because I I can't work out what the question is I'm putting into Google. So what's £5 27 years ago the equivalent of today? Is it, would it be £100? Would it be £30? Do let me know. 84850, steve at So what's a fiver worth then? The bishop said he'd put the £5 into the collection and commended Jason for his real courage, you thieving little toe rag. You thief. Five pounds, and all you've given them back is five pounds. Jason, who comes from Shropshire, says, I'd always felt guilty about it, and when I became a dad, it started nagging at my conscience. A fiver was quite a lot then. Diddly squat now, innit, mate? You tight-fisted son. I've never anything like it. Dreadful. So what's it worth? What should he have given back to the church? What should he have given back to the church? Nick to fiver, 27 years ago. How much should he give back to the church now? Surely not the same fiver. I'm surprised that nobody's uh, actually sort of picked up on that. It's dreadful. And he thinks he's eased his conscience. <laughs> I don't think so, matey. Uh, Steve, says Ross, that Cher girl, uh, ruins all the songs by her silly rapping. I agree, the most public votes for the person uh, is, is to get rid of... Yes, I mean, you shouldn't ask the judges. If, if it's, why don't you ask the public? But instead, you see, so in other words, they, they take all your money from the phone calls and then they make up their own rules. And they make up rules. In fact, the rules they made up for this eviction that's just gone on weren't even on their website. They make them up as they go along. And that, that's why when we had the other week, when we had silly Cheryl Cole, who's getting more irritating by the day, I'm afraid, wearing some of these. Where do you think you are, love? You're in a television studio. What are you wearing? What are, perhaps they wear this up north on those, on those estates, but I've never seen like it. A pair of hot pants with like a, a train at the back of it. I mean, it was just... I mean, who makes you wear this stuff? It was bad enough seeing poor old Toss Daly, one of the world's worst presenters, on the Strictly Come Dancing programme, wearing a dress that had... I don't know, I I thought she'd bought it in a bondage shop or something. It had spikes on the shoulder made out of metal. It had some... It was really quite ghastly. Quite ghastly. Don't wear it again, please. It's absolutely ridiculous. Even fashionistas are saying it was rubbish. Um, We had a great time at the first show. Caroline wants a red sparkly jacket, says Gordon. We had a curry after and they knew you were in town with Brussels sprout bargee on the menu. You see? I can eat Brussels sprout bargee now. And uh, Jan says, brilliant to hear that the mermaid was such a big success. Which it was. And uh, Paul says, love your show in a good way. You remind me of the guy in One Foot in the Grave. But, yeah, but which one? Like Victor Meldrew or any of the other ones? You see, I, I see myself more as Angus Dayton. I'm more an Angus... Although Angus Dayton is like a Polly Pocket. Very tiny. Very tiny person. Uh, Lynn says, congratulations once again on Saturday's show. with smashing. The Chinese Amanda managed to clear Anthony's blood from the stage. Yes. Just about, I think. Uh, Prince William and Kate Middleton are making hundreds of thousands for charity from their engagement TV interview. Do you know broadcasters pay 1,500 quid per minute for footage of the chat? That's good, isn't it? But it's owned by ITN, so they get £1,500 a minute, which, of course, is, is quite right, and then the money goes to charity. But I still need your help. Come on, how much the equivalent... £5 27 years ago, what is the equivalent today? Do tell me. Do tell me. 84850, uh, More on this uh, young mum who is defrauding people. This is Terry Edkins. Isn't it disgusting that people say that? I mean, I shouldn't be surprised because there are some disgusting people out there who sort of... who do this kind of thing and will cheat people. Even their own families. 
She's got four children with this uh, bloke, and he said he's thinking of leaving her. <laughs> yeah, right. You kind of give up, don't you, really? And uh, oh, I see that football manager Roy Keane is to sell his luxury home. He's got a four-poster bed with a built-in overhead mirror. Ugh, 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 ugh. Excuse me, how disgusting is that? He's selling it for £9.5 million. Ugh, disgusting. Um, somebody says here, a source says, Roy's wife, Teresa, was behind the interior design. Ugh, tacky. I think I've seen a picture. This is the one, I'm pretty certain... That has got, it's only got 1.2 acres for nine and a half million. It'll be sold to somebody really cheap and horrible. Although somebody cheap and horrible has got loads of money because it's got no taste. This is the one that's got Versace wallpaper and Versace. It's really tacky. It's really tacky. So somebody says it's, it's something like the Playboy Mansion, but it's not too offensive. In other words, it's very offensive. So if you buy it for nine point, you'll have to rip everything out. Who has a mirror over their bed? I mean, ca- all right, well, a few of you. But I mean, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, Roy Keane, it's got here, it's got, uh, it's only got seven bedrooms, it's got an all-weather tennis court, heated outdoor pool, snooker room, and a goal net on the lawn. Sounds vile, doesn't it? Sounds, I'm sorry, the, the football net on the lawn. Ugh! There's a place down in, uh, on the way to Kingston, you go on the bus, and it used to be Tommy Steele's old home, and I think they paid something like ten million for it. But, uh, they haven't made the best of the house. The wall's falling down outside. It's a lovely, in this little... This sort of village, Petersham, is it? Yeah. And, um, and on the lawn, they've got a football net. So they've obviously got children. But it's, the house lends itself to grandeur. It's got a lovely staircase at the front, a cantilever thing. And, and it's, it just doesn't look nice. I'd have the, the gates painted black with gold bits. Perhaps they ran out of money or something. I don't know, because you could really do really very well. But, but uh, I haven't. Have you noticed that Cher on The X Factor and the drug addict from Emmerdale are never on TV at the same time? That's because they look exactly the same. They look... They, they, they could almost be... You, you would turn on Emmerdale, and this woman's sitting on the bed going... I mean, it must... you remember when Arthur Fowler was in EastEnders? All the time he had to cry, he was... He was he'd stole the money, didn't he? But I loved Arthur Fowler. I thought he was such a great character. I didn't think he was weak. I thought he was very strong, and he looked after his family quite well, and I liked him. And he, he had an allotment. Well, he did go to prison, but then he ended up having a breakdown through having to cry all the time. You know, and you look at Cher on The X Factor, one of life's... You know, she's 17, and all you get from Cheryl Cole, you know, the buffoon who, you know, should engage her brain before opening her mouth, is, well, like, she's only 17, you know, and she's... And you think, well, she's the weakest 17-year-old I've ever seen. Most of them round here... You know, 17, they're very streetwise and sassy, and this one's just a drip. You think, oh, go away, you boring old bag. Did you know that the lad who is the son of the 12-year-old farmer in the show is the younger brother of Ryan Thomas, who plays Jason in Corrie? Both as wooden as each other, says Paul. Ah, yes, I know that. He was the one who came up with some funny comments. Is it the crash tonight, by the way? Yeah, over in Corrie, they, they, they're doing, what is it, four, four funerals and a wedding, I think. Because now you've got, wait a minute, you've got, I can't remember who it is, marrying someone, marrying Peter. But she's, but she's had an affair. Leanne is, has had, is had an affair with, what's it, Nick, Nicky Tilsley, uh, who changed because he looked much better before. Now they've brought him back as somebody else. I mean, she doesn't realise. Uh, but she's going to marry Peter, who's been having an affair with that other wooden actress, who's the one who's just been done for the drink driving. And he's had a... No, no, in the show. He's been having a fling with her, isn't it? Peter's been playing around 
with, with Carla, who runs the factory, although, frankly, with her business acumen, she's about as interesting as the Duchess of Pork. It's ridiculous. So they've got that. In the meanwhile, just to add insult to injury, Ken Barlow, the man who slept with everybody in the street, is giving advice and playing the Mr Sanctimonious. And telling Leanne, well, I'll have to think about it if I, if I decide to sell Peter. And I'm thinking, you, you've slept with everybody, you cheapskate. Dirty old man. I don't know, it's outrageous. Mind you, in real life, strangely enough, Ken Barlow has got a much younger woman who's, I think, a weather forecast who's, who sold her story to the Sunday papers this week. I'm thinking, he's 78 and she's um, something like 40-something, whatever it is. It's just very odd. Just for all these things, I find very but fascinating at the same time. And then there's a, there's a guy here, you won't have heard of him. His name is Colin Gunn. Colin is serving 35 years in a maximum security prison um, for, um, well, just for, let's just call them executions, shall we? OK. It's easier to put it down as executions, which he was involved with. OK. But anyway, he goes to court. Why? Because he has insisted that prison bosses call him Mr. And he's won the case. Prison bosses have to call him Mr. He says that he's not treated with enough respect. <sighs> I mean, you just give up, don't you, really? You give up. It's like you turn on the television and there's boring Adrian Childs pronouncing on the X Factor, sitting there going, well, I think that so-and-so should win. And then, have you seen Jack Black? I've never even heard of Jack Black before. He's a bore. What a boring man. He's what? He's... Oh! He sits there and he gets asked a question by Connie Huck, one of her reasonably sensible questions, because generally speaking, they're dumb as anything. And, and he said, you're talking to me. And if I was there, I'd have gone, well, hang on, you're here, Peach's girl jobs in the middle and somebody else. You know, of course I'm talking to you. What, are you stupid or something? He was just completely idiotic. So I went right off him. Uh, Ricky Gervais used to be so poor, he washed himself in Daz powder. We used to wash our hair in washing up liquid. Do you remember that when we didn't have any money years ago? You washed your hair in washing up liquid. Dreadful, really. I quite enjoyed it. Uh, sexy Channel 5 host. They're obviously trying to push this old person. Uh, Pollyanna Woodward. Remember Pollyanna Woodward? No, nobody does. Unfortunately, she's got the word desperate stamped. So she's tried doing the posing in the bikini. She was the one who was married to a QVC presenter called Lee. And anyway, then she meets, she meets Peter Andre at a party and they start texting... And so then uh, Peter Andre discovers that she's married. So he, he said to one of his friends the other day, I think she was after a bit more than that. And then she gets divorced from Lee because he finds all these texts from Peter Andre. So he's now citing Peter Andre in the divorce. And Peter Andre said, I've only met her once. And she's now saying, I haven't had a fling with Pete. Of course you haven't, dear. You're desperate. That's what you are. And she appears apparently on some, uh, on the gadget show. The gadget show Babe. Another one of these thickos who appears on television and thinks that as long as you get your bits out for the boys, that kind of makes you a TV presenter. It really doesn't. Her marriage lasted, I think, about five seconds. But they're cited, But the husband is citing Peter Andre. And Peter has now said, Pete's only met Pollyanna Woodward once at a public event, which was the launch for Channel 5. To be named in a divorce petition is madness. I mean, it, it is stupid, isn't it? You know, Peter Andre's been named in the divorce... But I just texted her, I met her once. And she, of course, is milking it, because it's her only bit of fame and the only chance she's ever going to get of people going, Hello, Pollyanna. Pollyanna, you imagine what the parents must have thought. You imagine what a child she was. Out on the town the other night. Lovely. Uh, girls Allowed. I thought Girls Allowed had finished now. I, I mean, so they haven't toured or done anything for ages, mainly because nobody wrote anything. But the good news is that Nicola Roberts, the pale, elfin-looking one, is launching a solo music career. 
Don't bother. Don't waste our time. Because, unfortunately, the other old ligger, Sarah Harding, tried it and fell flat on her face. Because nobody's interested. Only good as a group. Not interested singly, I'm afraid. And Sarah was out on the town the other night for a knees up at the Red Rooms. She's lovely, isn't it? So well done to you, Sarah. A little bit old for going out to nightclubs, dear, at your age. But never mind. At least you can, you can make the effort. But do not do the solo career, Nicola Love. It's really not worth it. There's not enough people out there who would buy the record. It would be a total waste of time. It's like, very nice that Stacey's won the jungle, but to be honest, nobody was watching it. It wasn't getting the sort of audiences it would... Because I think it's, it's kind of run out of steam. I think it's, I think it's just... I don't know. I, I, I didn't watch it this time. I saw the bits in the paper, but I never saw the programme. Such a shame, really. Uh, another one here. Oh, five pounds is three to four times that in relation to wages back there, uh, back then. Uh, Alex says nine pound eighty-three. All right. So three to four times. So if we say four times, so twenty quid. And uh, it was on something recently in relation to old computers. Yes, I saw that bit. I didn't quite understand the old computers thing. Patricia says mirror over the bed. Bed. Excuse me, I've had my shreddies at the moment. I know. Okay, and that's what. Oh dear. Who has mirrors over their beds? Okay, I did have once, you know, but I mean, that was a long time ago. Because, I mean, well, you know, you have to, well, you do, don't you? Well, anyway. Um, Steve says, Alex, uh, great show at the Mermaid on Saturday. I will send you the cash conversion site. Uh, And Sally says, I'm going to hospital for an op this week. Thanks to my nan for a lovely new dressing gown and slippers. Love you, nan. It's good, isn't it? Because people do go into hospital and they do end up buying a new dressing gown. I did. Cause you, but, and, and, you, and you buy new slippers and stuff like that. <laughs> Just for going into hospital, you think, who are you going to impress? They couldn't care less. They're going, they're going to undress you anyway on the operating table, and that's always the bit that I find the worst. Quarter to six. These are the headlines. A code of conduct could be brought in to stop sexualised products being marketed to children. Government inquiries starting later into whether new rules are needed to stop things like padded bras for pre-teens. America has criticised the WikiLeaks website for releasing a secret list of all the key facilities and assets the US considers most strategically important to protect. Many of the locations listed are in Britain. And the Foreign Office are warning holidaymakers to Sharm el-Sheikh to be aware of sharks. One woman's been killed and several others injured in the Egyptian resort. Let's have a check on the uh, state of the roads for you this morning. Get you there nice and quickly. And Londoner's Diary. Available now at lbc.co.uk. Just watching Sky News a minute ago, and they had the business report on, and some woman doing the Hang Seng and Ugandan currencies, wearing a top wholly inappropriate, but to make her look intelligent, she'd put on glasses. You know, doing that old thing, you know, men don't make passes at ladies with glasses. But I think glasses are great. But they just looked fake. It just looked like she was... But the top was way too low. Way too low. Obviously, one of these people, you know, I'm doing this, but really, I want to be a topless model. <laughs> uh, talking of uh, people doing things, uh, it seems so many years ago now, and, and it was actually, that uh, 1997, I think, that uh, Gianni Versace was shot uh, outside his home which was right... I never understood why you'd have a house right on the beach that people can walk past, but he was shot. Now it is claimed that he was shot because of mafia debts. And that's very interesting. Mobsters then apparently tried to steal his ashes to blackmail his family. Versace, who counted Diana and Elton John among his friends, was gunned down as he was walking home one day. Now in a new book... Uh, Giuseppe Di Bella, once a member of the Calabrian Mafia, says Versace was killed over debts. Di Bella says the Ashes plan was supposed to be a message to the family. Look what we've done. Give us back the money. 
Yesterday, Detective Giancarlo Capaldi says we've opened a file into what Di Bella says. His information in the past has always proved correct. So, if, I mean, you know, upset somebody in the mafia over there and they're going to sort of take you out because it's over a debt. I seem to do all sorts of strange things now. I still remember watching the film The Godfather and being so fascinated that the, the Cosy Nostra and all these other people actually exist. And then you see them in court... And you see them sort of discussing cases, and it was all very calculating. You know, there's no hesitation in, in sort of killing their own people. I suppose not unsimilar over here. We had all the different crime families here. You know, you had the Richardsons, and then there were Crays, but the Crays were a bit wussy, and they weren't particularly good. Uh, and then you've got people now make a living out of saying that they were, they were gangsters and this kind of stuff. And again, it's, it's, it's all a bit lame, I'm afraid. All a little bit lame. I see that uh, Ricky Hatton faces a court battle over claims he owes his former trainer more than a million pounds. Good Lord. A million pounds. Actually, talking of Ricky Hatton, I was watching the television other day. They had celebrity... What is it? Celebrity what? Celebrity square... Not celebrity squares. I wish they'd bring that back, because I quite liked it. The trouble is there aren't enough celebrities to do it at the moment. But it was the one that Vernon Kay... It must be Family Fortunes. Because Vernon Kay cannot... They cannot attract people to the programme of any gravitas whatsoever. The sort of... Celebrities they actually put on there. I'm afraid it was just terrific. And it was so bad this week. Jennifer Ellison, who looked like somebody had given her the wrong hairstyle or she was wearing the wrong wig. And on the other side, Mr Intelligence, Joe Calzaki. And it was just... They dragged the families out and Vernon Kay's there. And all I keep thinking about is Vernon sending sex texts. I can't think of anything else, actually, when I watch the programme. So it doesn't actually matter who the celebrities are. I watch them and they say, oh, so-and-so. And I wonder who this is. Joe Calzaki. Oh, God. So very shortly, it'll be Stacey Solomon and her family going on there. Because they reckon she's got a million-pound contract to bring a record out. Stacey, love, it would be a terrible waste of money. I mean, you know, there's so many people going for the charts at the moment. But the time... Simon has finished dominating the charts. And, in fact, we might as well have a separate chart for Simon's groups because they're all going to... He'll end up with, you know, numbers 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 and 10. So anybody else going in who isn't part of that clique needs to just hold off. So that's why when you hear that Nicola from Girls Aloud is going to launch a solo career, you think, well, don't. It really is very unwise. Nothing can beat the might of Simon Cowell, who not only has got the best studios at his beck and call, but he's got a TV programme watched by millions in which to launch them. And he can now sell Cher's album by saying that he's going to put Cheryl Cole on it. I mean, it's, it's great publicity, but it does mean that, you know, other people don't really get a look in. And that's why TV executives and music executives watch the programme very carefully. Because you've got to pick the right moment to launch something. I mean, yesterday we had the Black Eyed Peas. Their singing was a bit lame, I have to be honest. I mean, I thought they'd be quite good. better when they do things in the, in the studio. It sounds an awful lot better. Alexandra Burke... Uh, is got a, a forthcoming tour. She says, I'm very nervous about going on the road next year as I'm sole producer and I created it all myself. Oh. I've been working on it since August and the theme is all night long, one big party. And she says, we're going to be having a few uh, dancers, but we're not sure about pyrotechnics. I don't know. You see, on the strength of three hit singles or two and a half hit singles, do you think you can seriously go on tour? Do you think there's, you know, I mean, o- Ollie Murs is going on tour on the strength of one hit single. To be honest with you, I mean, I'm not really sure whether that's wise or sheer foolishness. You have to sort of check these things, don't you? I mean, I'm, I'm really, really not sure. Um, there's uh, another story in the paper today. Oh, it is. It's uh, Corrie Babe, Michelle Keegan. Because I'm very confused, because it finished the other day, Coronation Street, with Tyrone and Molly. And Molly going, it's finished. It's finished. And Tyrone does his usual. Because he's, he's been a bit of a, he's been a bit pushy, I'm afraid. 
And, you know, I want to have another baby. I want to do this. And she's going, I don't want another baby. I don't want to, you know. And, and then she confessed. She didn't want... Uh, well, she doesn't want one with him because Kevin's the father, you see. But he doesn't know Kevin's the father. He's going to find out very shortly because I've written to him. I've said, Kevin's the father of the baby. Grow up and get over yourself. And incidentally, she never loved you at all. She's been sleeping with him for ages in the back of the car and going away for secret weekends. And I'm terribly sorry to break that to you, Tyrone, but it's been in all the papers. Don't you read the papers up there? I'm going to be mean. I'm going to have to tell him. Because Molly sits there and they've got the Christmas tree. And and then you've got the other balmy woman. It's Fizz's soon-to-be husband who's dividing his time between the mentally ill woman who's a bit stupid. And frankly, we need to get rid of that storyline as quickly as possible. And Fizz who's as barking as a brush, I'm afraid, in real life, exactly the same. And it's, it's just, they're all the same. In fact, you meet the people, the only people who were ever different on Coronation Street was um, um, Hilda Ogden. Because, you should talk like that, Stan. But when you spoke to her in real life, she was actually very posh. Very, very posh indeed. She was what they call proper northern actress. Uh, £11.80 is the fiver. This is the choir boy who, 27 years ago, stole, let's not put it in any other terms, from the church the most heinous crime, and should be worthy of hanging, I think, or at least having your hands chopped off, five pounds from the collecting plate. And he went and spent it with a friend on sweets. 27 years later, Jason Boucher decides to feel a little bit of guilt because he's a family man, and uh, we hope his thieving days are behind him, and so he puts a fiver in an envelope. And I thought, well, that's quite a nice thing, until I suddenly realised, wait a minute, that was 27 years ago, you tight-fisted thief. You should be putting £11.80 in that envelope. But to be quite honest, £11.80 is not enough. I think, as an act of good faith and to show contrition, you put a 50 quid note in there, OK? And that way we will forgive you. Because at the moment, I'm not forgiving you. I think you need to put, uh, well, at least £20. At least. Put it this way, if you can afford to have children, you can afford to put 50 quid in an envelope, you th- he stole £5. I'm afraid I've got no truck with people at all. X-Factor winner Joe McKeldry. Uh, is heading to America, apparently. Joe, who came out recently and decided to tell the world that he was gay, and we did say, I wish they wouldn't. I wish they wouldn't. Because it so detracts from what they do for a living. It makes no difference. I couldn't care less whether he's whether he turns out to be a sex child. I'm not interested. Keep that side of it private. Listen, everybody knew you were gay. You didn't need to come out and tell us. But just... It's, uh, I don't care if he's... I couldn't care if he's a... Se- the moment he came out with all those teeth and sang show tunes, every queen around the world went, Queen. It's as simple as that. You don't need to come out and tell everybody, because now all they're interested in is sort of, you know, oh, so what's it like coming out? I mean, as if it, you know... I'll tell you what I saw the other day, very straight, and I didn't spot him straight away. I'd been for a cup of coffee in Piccadilly Circus, and there, standing by the side of the road with a suitcase, with an airline tag on it, was Stephen Gately's boyfriend, Andrew. All by himself, by a little shop at Piccadilly Circus. And in fact, I didn't know. But why would you be standing there with a suitcase with an airline tag on it by yourself, freezing cold, ten o'clock on a Sunday morning? Hello? I asked myself. Anyway, I was going to go up and go, hello, Steve Allen, do you have any comments? You know, and just sort of do that kind of thing. They do doorstep people. But Joe, Joe McEldry's in the paper today, and uh, he's now got him involved with sort of a charity. And he went to Great Ormond Street Hospital for kids. The trouble is, every picture, he says, Christmas. And it's going to overshadow the career. It took a year to get this record out, and it just, it didn't do what it should have done. And, um, he says, uh, I have been back on the X Factor to perform as an artist, and it was a real highlight. I think he's got quite a good voice. I think, compared to the rubbish you've got this year on the programme, he actually wasn't a bad voice at all. I just think that people should keep their private lives private. 
Don't need to tell people everything, do you? Nobody's that interested, I'm afraid. And uh, Chris in uh, China, Ching Sol, uh, he, um, he said, moment of clarification, he said, I was out drinking with some Americans and other nationalities in China. There were a few negative Brits bitching about the state of affairs back home. When an American said, OK, what's the UK produced that's any good? He said, so off the top of my head, I came up with Pink Floyd, Bentley's, Real Ale, Guy Ritchie Films and Steve Allen. He said, everybody was flawed. And then they all appeared to ask at once, who's Steve Allen? He said, where have they been for 30 years? <laughs> Quite clearly not at the theatre. Yeah, it's a bit of China, I suppose. Uh, Joe and Pat in Cork. They've had a look at a Google Earth picture. The Christmas tree seems to have vanished from Trafalgar Square. Oh, incidentally, don't forget you can open up another, another uh, Steve Allen advent calendar picture. So you can have a look and see what is behind today's. I can't believe that already, here we are, we're hurtling through the month. We're up to December the 6th. <gasps> December the 6th. So what is behind the Steve Allen advent calendar? lbc.co.uk. And you can click on the link there. Plus there's also the pictures from Trafalgar Square the other day when we went down to do the uh, the Christmas tree on the Thursday when it was freezing, freezing cold. So uh, go and check those out while we uh, tell you very quickly that it's coming up to the news on 19... 19- Morning team, Monday morning, LBC 97.3. You wake up to the fact that uh, Anne Widdicombe has danced off into the sunset and presumably ka-ching, ka-ching everywhere. Loads of interviews with her in the uh, papers today. She's off out on tour with the uh, Strictly Dancing. And, of course, the other news is that Mary in The X Factor has been, uh, has been pushed out, uh, mainly because I should imagine there's more chance of flogging an album with Cher than there is with Mary. The other story is the uh, the fears raised about uh, parliamentary security the other day after it emerged an MP's Russian researcher faces deportation on suspicion of being a spy. This is a lady called Katya, and uh, she was snapped at a Black Sea resort. She's accused of being a Russian sleeper, and I don't know if you've ever seen uh, stories or read about Russian sleepers. These are people who, it is claimed, and... Uh, are just normal. It can be families, it can be all sorts of people, and they just move into society and they stay there, and they can be there for donkey's years. It could be 20, 30 years until they get a phone call which activates them and they sort of wake up from their sleep and they go out and they do things. Um, the MP, Mike Hancock, is saying, I've never heard so much rubbish. The, uh, the girl's father is saying she's just working in Britain. She's not a spy, but she has been questioned a number of times and the deportation has been approved. So this one's going to run and run, uh, as indeed is Sharmel Sheikh. The place, I'm afraid, which uh, at the moment the Foreign Office is saying, if, if you go there, be very careful. This is after a, uh, a 70-year-old German woman was savaged by a shark. Uh, it ripped her right thigh and elbow off. Uh, she died within minutes and her body was washed up uh, onto the shore. They've now had three attacks out there, mainly due to the fact that the sharks feed and they use it as a tourist uh, excuse now you go out on boats and you can feed the sharks and you hold a bit of cut fish over there and the sharks will leap for it i suppose if there's nobody going out on the boats because it might be too expensive because it's quite expensive in charmel shake cheap to get there cheap holiday to have but everything costs um just a fortune on top of that the wine the ice creams unless you can find one of these all-inclusive holidays which are well worth going for nowadays but the food tends not to be as good as you would get uh, elsewhere so they've actually captured a shark and they put pictures everywhere but they're not even totally convinced this is the one that would have uh, done the attack so the poor shark's got no idea it does what it does normally and it comes into shore looking for a bit of food uh takes a bite out of this woman she's screaming to be helped the lifeguards do absolutely nothing at all and so what you have to do is if you go out there the advice is don't swim in the sea 
just go into the uh, into the pools and stay in the pools because it's it's quite clearly very dangerous because once sharks get a taste and the blood will spread about it can bring in loads more sharks so don't just think because they've managed to catch one there's no more out there there's loads of them they're also warning you today as well that britain will be plunged back into sub zero temperatures for at least another week and after a weekend respite when temperatures climbed to 5 degrees, and we were lucky for that, many areas have been told to prepare for more extreme cold and travel chaos. Fresh lows of minus 15 degrees centigrade are set to hit parts of England, with North Wales, northern uh, parts of the country, and Scotland bearing the brunt. These forecasts came as the government tried to tackle mounting concerns about food shortages. Because we've had all these stories. I've, I was, we had uh, one in the Mirror a short while ago where they were saying, oh, we've only got four days' food left, There's gonna be... and people started rushing out panic-buying. And I got quite worried. I thought, what, what on earth is the point of panic? But it's OK. I'm not going to run out of things. So I did have to fill up with petrol the other day, thinking that on the Friday I went into one garage and they had most of the pumps uh, tied up. So I thought, oh, wait a minute. This is because the petrol tankers can't get through, so we're not going to have anything at all, which is a bit of a shame. But luckily I went round to another garage, filled up, just on the off chance that if the snow was going to come back with a vengeance, I was going to make sure that I got a full tank. Because I've done it before. I think when Chris and Sharon got married, we were just in the middle of a... A petrol strike, and there was no uh, petrol anywhere, so every drop that you had, you had to hang on to, and everywhere you went out, if you saw a garage and it just opened, you immediately nipped in to top up. But there were queues miles long, all over the place, absolutely everywhere. Exit Mary, says the the male, who've managed to get themselves involved in this, share has won her final chance. And uh, here she is, uh, the woman who looks as though she can barely stand upright without being helped, I'm afraid. Cheryl wearing one of the most peculiar outfits... Uh, I've ever seen her. She looks like she's an extra in Cleopatra or something. Very strange. And uh, Wagner is going to be questioned over claims he cheated the benefit system. Ian Duncan said on the television last night, he said it was most peculiar. He said, here's a man on incapacity benefit because he claims he's got a frozen shoulder. And yet here he is waving his arms above his head. And so he's going to be investigated as to how, because if you're on incapacity benefit and you claim you've got a frozen shoulder, you cannot wave your arms over your head. So, in fact, Ian Duncan Smith has said that he will be questioned. He has denied cheating the the benefit system. But I thought, if you're on incapacity, one assumes nowadays that it means that you can't do things like that. But he's managed it very well, and he's going on tour, and he's sort of doing it. He doesn't look as though, you know, if if somebody said to me, look at these three people, they're doing this, which one do you think is on incapacity benefit? I thought incapacity meant that you couldn't do anything. You're incapacitated. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Minus 15... Pardon me, they're saying in the, uh, in the mail today, that's what they reckon the, the temperature will plummet to. So, brace yourself. Oh, good going out in the stuff. I saw somebody the other day walking through Leicester Square. When was it? It must have been on um, Sunday morning. And there were a couple of girls wearing sandals. When I say sandals, like flip-flops. And they were walking out on the pavement, freezing cold. And I thought, either you're too poor and you don't have any money to buy a pair of shoes, or you really are stupid. I mean, sure chance that you're going to come down with something. Today, they've said sleet, snow, sunshine, minus eight in the north. Tomorrow, um, in the north, light snow, minimum 11. In the south, sunny, minimum minus six. And Wednesday, dry with sunny spells, minimum minus ten. This is in the north again. So quite clearly in the south, we've, we've actually been very lucky. Very, very lucky indeed. And there's more on uh, Anne Whittacombe in the papers. as She lumbers out of Strictly. And uh, Tony Beak managed to get his back back. They've got pictures of all of her, all the different outfits uh, where he lifted her. I think actually on her last dance he lifted her. I shouldn't imagine she uh, she's that light to lift around. 
But uh, here he is dragging her across the floor. Here he is trying to do a dip with her. I mean, she looks petrified, I'm afraid, for most of them. But uh, she's got the money. And Claudia Connell's view on the sofa says, uh, getting rid of Anne out of Strictly Come Dancing is like putting a well-loved family pet out of its misery. News headlines this morning, it's Sam Pittis. WikiLeaks has released a secret list of what a dis- Morning everybody, 6.20 is the time. Liz Jones has done a feature today in the Mail on Stacey Solomon. And uh, she's been won over by her. She said she may not be much of a celebrity, but uh, she's proved Essex girls are no joke. And uh, she says, why do I love her? She says, well, she, she comes out of the jungle and... Uh, she- she grasps people's hands. She says, Lord only knows I'm annoying, so thank you for having me. So even she admits she's annoying. But uh, she talks here about her being brought up in Dagenham, uh, a place formerly only famous for its car factories. She's got a two-year-old son with her ex-boyfriend. And uh, where's the baby? Where's the baby? But you see, I, I always think people who go into these TV shows, they go, oh, where's the baby? I really love her, but I'm prepared to leave them for weeks to go and earn some money. And they say the reason she's stolen our hearts, not everybody, it has to be said, is that she's an Essex girl. And then Liz goes on and tells that she was born in Chelmsford, the county town, went to school in Brentwood, hung around in dodgy nightclubs in Southend, and then worked as a sub-editor. And she says uh, she knows how hard real life can be and wants to escape. She said, and I wish her the very best. I hope that one day she makes it to the mock Tudor mansion in Loughton, where she'll zoom around Epping Forest in an open-top car, singing at the top of those lovely lungs, saying, oh, I don't know, at every opportunity, purchasing leopard print cushions and Versace outfits, living the dream we all dreamed. Obviously, she hasn't set her sights very high. But um, she, she will do quite well. They were saying yesterday that she's got this million-pound contract. And I said, D- don't get too excited over a million-pound contract, because that, that'll be swallowed up very quickly. It doesn't mean that they give the artist a million pounds, and then you go out and spend it and go, oh, it's going to be a great Christmas this year. There's a lot of work, and everything you do comes off it, I'm afraid. I like this idea that they're, that they're going to bring in... I don't know if Nick uh, is going to talk about this later on this morning. And it's people who don't pay court fines face having their cars immediately seized and sold. It's going to be proposed by Ken Clark tomorrow as part of a shake-up in sentencing policy. Assets can already be taken for unpaid court fines for offences like criminal damage, antisocial behaviour or affray. But now they're saying that they can take away people's cars. Because they had this... I, I watch these uh, programmes on the television and, uh, and, and they do actually seize people. They say, well, I'm terribly sorry, you don't have any tax or insurance or MOT. We're going to take your car. And these people go, no, no, you can't take my car. They go, well, we're taking it. You're driving around. If you have an accident, like there's loads of people driving at the moment with no, no insurance, no, MO, no nothing at all, but with the new facilities the police have got, they just click on your number plate and they can find out straight away whether you've got all the details. And so many are not. There are so many foreign drivers over here. All the illegal minicabs in London that tout, none of them have got insurance. And as the police have said time and time again to you, if you get into an illegal minicab, and you know where they are, they're all up at Piccadilly Circus, touting the sides of the streets, they wind down the window, minicab, minicab. Uh, these people, it's like getting into a stranger's car. You don't know them. Only get into a car if you've pre-booked it, and it's come from, you know, a reputable cab company. If you get into anybody's car by the side of the street, the chances are you'll be beaten up and robbed. It's as simple as that. So I like the idea that they're going to start taking people's uh, cars away from them. I'm very pleased about that. I just hope they bring it in. As opposed to talking about it, I hope they actually get on with it and do it as, as quickly as possible. Because they don't seem to have stopped benefit fraud. That's just got worse and worse and worse. Thank you to Dawn, who, when we were doing the uh, music for The Mermaid, we used the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. 
And uh, there's a couple of things on the internet. One of them is, I think, the Wizard or Wizard of something. Anyway, wh- whichever one it is, uh, it's got two different names and you can find it on iTunes. A lot of people use it, strangely enough, for lighting their houses. They do the... Uh, they light their houses up and then they do music, so it's all choreographed. It looks quite wonderful, actually. Uh, Jack Black was in the film School for Rock and the Last King Kong, says Malcolm. He's very irritating. Uh, Alex says £11.80. There you go. Uh, and Dee says, I've had a frozen soldier, and you can't move your arm much above the waist level. Put it this way, I didn't wear certain garments for months, and it really hurts. Well, obviously not for him, because he was waving his arms above his head, and that's with a frozen shot. I don't know how you manage it. But as I say, I'm sure that they will find out whether or not he's entitled to the money. Mike says, read the shark attack. According to the wildlife experts, people being killed are rare. Agree with you, read the X Factor. Yes, yeah, so it is rare to have a shark attack, but if you encourage them to come in and you start feeding them, and then you stop feeding them because, you know, people don't... I'm not paying that much money to go out and feed a shark, thinking that maybe they're like pets, they just sort of pop in and you pat it on the head. These things rip your, rip your body to pieces. And sadly, that 70-year-old woman uh, discovered her cost, and she was screaming, help me, help me, and uh, I couldn't do anything about it. Absolutely appalling. Uh, Noreen says, hope you've recovered from Saturday. I was worried about you. Looking forward to seeing the photos. Actually, from Chris Chris Tadoulou, they should be ready sometime this week. I'll then give you a link... Uh, it won't be on the LBC website, it'll be on uh, Chris's. So I'll give you all the details then. If you went to the shows, you can have a look and see what it, uh, what it all looked like, which would be quite nice. And the L- on the LBC website, you've got the pictures from Oslo, and tacked onto the back of that, you've got the pictures uh, which were taken in Trafalgar Square the other day. Plus, of course, you've got the advent calendar. Every day there's a different, a different picture behind one of the windows. And I've got no idea what it is today. I checked it over the weekend. There were some very, very good little bits, including the Rolf Harris and me singing. So that's uh, so you can check out. If you haven't checked out the uh, the advent calendar, it's lbc.co.uk. Uh, the Eel Pie Club, uh, Wednesday, that's uh, day after tomorrow, which will be the 8th, creeps on a bit. They're going to have a, a rare appearance by the John Warwick Blues Band. John Warwick sang with uh, Savoy Brown. And on Wednesday, the lineup includes Mick Avery of the Kinks. Tickets on the door or in advance. Starts at uh, 8.30, finishes about 11. Eelpieclub.com for details. Eelpieclub.com for details. Uh, Noreen says, at last, Anne Whittaker come out of Strictly Come Dancing. Thank goodness. Who do you think will win the X Factor? I think all the ones who are in there now will have an album. In fact, I would almost put money on they'll all have an album. Cher will have an album, and then I think she'll disappear. Uh, One Direction will definitely have an album, because they're, they're Simon's band. He's not going to miss this opportunity. That's why it would be interesting that if they said, right, it's entirely up to you, the audience watching, who you would vote out, you'd all have voted Sher out ages ago. Ages ago, because she's got the irritant factor. And irritating does not sell albums. Irritating means that you're just a complete waste of space and uh, we're not going to buy your albums. So what they've got to do is keep her in there because Simon needs to get lots of albums in the charts to make lots of money to pay all the staff who put the thing together. So she'll end up with one. I think the, uh, the other girl will get one and Matt will get one. So there'll be four people. All vying for the charts. Which one will get to number one? It'll be One Direction. I'll make the prediction now because Simon will be pushing them more and he'll be, uh, he'll be grooming them and telling them exactly how they've got to behave on chat shows. Be nice, put your arms around each other. Although, as I say, in a year's time, you won't have heard of them. They will have disappeared because, unfortunately, boy bands grow up. And uh, even the Osmonds were not, unfortunately, out of, uh, out of that loop. I love the story that, uh, that Ivor sent to me, which is the, uh, the couple... Who, uh, who sort of walk out of a shop and they discover that there's a, a traffic warden and he's, he's, he's putting tickets on the car. So, that, so they, they go up to him and they go, come on, give a senior citizen a break. He actually totally ignored them. 
So then they started abusing him, calling him rude words. So he then wrote out another ticket for worn tyres. And then the wife called him another rude name, so he finished the second ticket, put on the windscreen, started writing out a third ticket for them. And this time they're going, go on, go on, how much worse can it get? How much worse can it get? Went on for about 20 minutes. And in the end, they had all these, these tickets which were stuck on the car. And so the traffic warden, they went, hmm, and gave a big smile to them. And just then, their, their bus arrived, so they get on the bus, and they went home. And, and, and they said, it's actually quite nice uh, that we're re- retired, to have a little bit of fun as a pensioner, so you, you can pretend it's your car. It's like, run, I mean, try it today yourself. If you see a traffic warden, put, put a ticket on a car, run towards him, shouting, no, no, no! And then just walk past, going, no, not you, mate, I was talking to somebody else just up there. It always works a treat, and the traffic wardens get really excited about that, because they think, yeah, I've got you. But in the end, you can have the last laugh and turn around... Very interesting. Now that the uh, celebrity get-me-out-of-here-in-the-jungle rubbish has finished, Sean Ryder has revealed how he felt like killing Gillian McKeith. He said, I wanted to drown her. I thought, like the rest of the country, nobody can stand her at all. Absolutely dreadful. He said, put it this way, he said, we're sort of friends, he said, but she's not going to be invited round to the house. Which is uh, unlike Greg Howe. Greg Howe lives down in Bournemouth. And, in fact, he likes Christmas so much and he likes, you know, all the uh, the thing that goes with it and the paraphernalia and uh, and he likes ice. So what he's done is he's demolished a wall between his home and next door and he's then laid underfloor refrigeration across both gardens and he's created a huge ice rink, which is about 35 feet across. And and he's invited anybody to come down and just have a, a free ice skate. He's got himself 300 pairs of skates. And he said, provided you give a donation to the RNLI, you can come down and, and skate. So it's, it's 82 feet, this ice rink which I'm sure is about as big as the one that they've got for the uh, the Winter Wonderland up in Hyde Park, which is absolutely fantastic. I love the idea of doing something like that. I wonder if the neighbours were aware of it. The neighbours went, oh, it's a good idea. Yes, put in an ice rink. Put in an ice rink. But what do you mean half the flower beds have gone? Because I don't know where you get underfloor refrigeration. So it must be something to do with the business. Uh, Tracy says, speaking of snow, last year, uh, lots of panic buying. I decided to learn how to make bread. All you need is flour, yeast and water, not to mention the glorious wafts of bread smells going throughout the house. I recently made date and black pepper bread and it was glorious. So now I don't buy bread at all. It's amazing how addicted to bread we are, isn't it? And the smell, that's what a lot of supermarkets do. They actually pump out the smell of, of bread because we're strangely drawn to it. It's like standing in line and you, you, you've got that loaf of bread and you, you can't resist... Picking bits off it, can you? you can't, before you get there. You have to do things like that, because the smell of fresh bread is lovely. And it goes crispy on the top. Making your own, because then, as you say, Tracy, make date and black. I'm not my kind of bread. I have to be honest, I'm just sort of straightforward. But I don't think our bread's very tasty in this country. Compared to other countries, it's ridiculous. Uh, adults with autism, says Pat, having their benefits taken away as you speak. As usual, it's the vulnerable and the innocent. Easy targets for savage cuts. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the way all over, isn't it? The trouble is we do, and at the risk of upsetting, you know, some people, I suppose when the government start axing benefits, it's, it's the ones that come back. I think American Express used to have a policy that people would apply and they would automatically just go rejection rejection to everybody. So, you know, they'd have 100,000 um, people applying to have an American Express card in on the Friday, and they'd just send them all back the rejection letter, working on the assumption that if you were rejected and you really didn't think you'd get one anyway, then you weren't disappointed. But if you thought you should have one, then you'd have done it through your bank anyway. And your bank would then say, this person is eligible to have a, an American Express card. I thought it was the most fatal card I've ever had, to be honest with you, because there's no limit 
At least if you've got a Visa or a MasterCard or something like that, at least you've got limits. With American Express, there was no limit at all. But a lot of traders don't like having it because it takes a long time to pay and they've got higher interest rates. So they, they don't make as much. Although traditionally, American Express customers spend more on the card than somebody who's working to, say, a £600 budget. I mean, I don't have a high high credit limit on my card. I don't, I don't, it obviously can't be linked to what you earn, can it? Because I've spoken to people who don't earn the sort of money I earn and they've got like, three times as much. Three times as much. Uh, one here. Steve, I got in a minicab in the West End. Asked to go to Manor House and was taken to Manor Park. If you want to do a proper trip, take a black cab. Hey, well, sometimes they don't know where they're going either, actually. And I keep seeing, you know, people smoking in black cabs. The driver's smoking. I didn't think they were allowed to. Uh, BB says, do you think Cher's first album will be crying? Well, I hope so. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't be buying it. I wouldn't be remotely interested. But I bet you anything, by the time we get to that, you'll be looking at a completely different person. It'll be somebody who is there. And then you'll think, wait a minute, were they acting? Because, frankly, watching this, this creature shivering away on television, either freezing cold in the studio, which they generally aren't because of the lights, or she's doing the best acting job, or she's having a breakdown in front of everybody. I can't tell. I mean, everybody else seems to be smiling. They're all, you know, they're all roughly the same kind of age. You don't find the boys from One Direction standing there shaking and shivering and all this kind of stuff. And she seems to do it on a regular basis and have breakdowns and shout and all the rest of it. Not a very nice person, I'm afraid. Not a nice person. Alan in Tooting says, Love the jacket and shoes for the show on Saturday. Was that mine or was that uh, Anthony's? Uh, Steve, when does the Royal Variety Show take place? It takes place uh, this Thursday. This Thursday the Royal Variety takes place in, I think it's the Coliseum. I think, I can't remember, I'm going to it, so I'll, I'll let you know. I think it's the Coliseum. I, I can never remember these sort of things. I just sort of put a, put a suit on and turn up and then I come back and I'll tell you who mimed, who didn't mime. I think we've got Cheryl Cole this year. So she's bound to be miming. She's not going to be singing, singing normally, is she? Well, I don't think so. Uh, here's a picture today of Charles Bronson. It's not his real name. He's been Britain... He's dubbed Britain's most dangerous convict. But I think it's just one of those tags, isn't it? It's like Paris Hilton, heiress. Load of old rubbish. Charles Bronson, most dangerous convict. Rubbish. You know, just a big girl's blouse. And because they've said today he spent 36 years behind bars, 31 of them in solitary... Uh, a recent search by officers found that the window in his cell was unsecured because they thought that he was he was going to sort of slip out of prison. As if. As if. <sighs> Strange man. He, they say he does 2,500 press-ups a day. It's rubbish, of course. What they do is this man appears to have a press agent on the outside who keeps this some weird interest in him alive. He's not worth bothering with, take my word. He's not Britain's most dangerous convict. He was only jailed, you know, for armed robbery. He apparently has taken hostages and he's caused damage. But, I mean, to be honest, I wouldn't waste your time. It's a big girl's blouse and he's staying in prison for a long time. Unlike Anne Whittacombe, who uh, was putting her foot down with the mirror the other day and talking about her, her feelings of, of being in the show. And the mirror were quite clearly trying to get something out of her. And uh, on one of them, she said, some of our readers want, want, want to know... Um, you know, about politics, and she said, I'm not talking about politics. And when she puts her foot down, that's... She puts her foot down. And, and they said, well, some of our readers want to know. And she says, I understand that, but I've never invited controversy whilst on Strictly. And then the Mirror have said, you're a public figure and your fame is based on your former career. She then says, my public figure was my former career. I don't have a political career at the moment. And they then say, were it not for the fact that you were someone who's been in the public eye, you wouldn't be on Strictly. And she says here, Strictly invited me to take part in a dancing competition. You can go on like this and you can argue the toss with me, but I'm not playing ball, so you're going to waste your time. I mean, she's really, she can be quite adamant and quite sort of dog in the manger and head stuck in the sand. 
Then they say, so we're not going to get onto the views you've expressed in the past, for example, homosexuality in Section 28. And she says, no, I'm not going to discuss that at all. Because uh, she voted against Clause 28 and voted against the same rights for same-sex couples. Why? I've got no idea. Perhaps it's to do with her so-called Christian beliefs. But uh, she won't talk about it now. She obviously now sees herself as a celebrity and says, I don't want to talk about politics. But I'm led to believe in a stage show she talks about everything. So that would be something. But she was, she was not playing ball with the mirror at all. And no matter how they tried, they weren't going for it. I mean, well, she wasn't going for it. She just said, no, no, I'm not going to. You can sit here and it, it's not going to happen. So in the end, they, uh, they kind of have to give up. But the main story today is this fix on the X Factor as they bring in new rules. And they, they, they kind of change, and Cheryl Cole has now developed something where she kind of gives an army salute. And nobody's too sure why she's doing it. Simon Cowell stuck two fingers up at her on uh, Saturday night, and she then responded. There's obviously a bit of spat going on, but it seems to be with all of the judges. And she's now started doing a salute based on that silly video that she did where she was dressed in a, a sort of strange red army ensemble outfit. And he's saying she's nicked that from me. I did that years ago on television, you know. And in fact, actually, it was even before Simon Cowell, because Bob Holness used to do it at the end of, uh, of the programme, of Blockbusters. He would always sort of give a salute. Now Cheryl's picked up on it, but most of the stuff she does is nicked anyway. You know, the outfits come from somebody else, the hair's definitely somebody else's, the makeup is troweled on, and for some reason she seems to think she's started believing the publicity, which is that fatal mistake. Fatal mistake. Jim Shelley, writing today, always does... Um, uh, a poll of who's in and who's out. And who's in at the moment? Stuart on The Apprentice. Viva Le Brand. But who's out? Who's, who's down in the doldrums this week? I couldn't agree more. Nurse Patsy Kensett, most irritating woman on television. Absolutely most irritating woman, full stop. Uh, simply read for the last time, again, again and again. And JLS, he says, on Never Mind the Buzzcocks, just wrong. I know, it's, they're just, they're fine, but there are certain programmes some people shouldn't go on, and JLS should not have gone on, never mind the buzzcocks. Not that they were particularly bad, it's just that they were a bit out of their depth. A little bit like putting Preston on there, and then uh, making him angry when they read out clips from uh, Chantel's Living the Dream book. And uh, the, the, the dream was that the marriage didn't last, and Chantel's now apparently seeing Rav Wilding, who was pictured in the paper the other day, they tell me, I haven't seen it myself, wearing Ugg boots for men. Ugh, 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 I'm afraid. You don't wear Ugg boots at all. And there's a new campaign, you might want to join this one. It's to keep the Ark Royal alive by calling for the iconic name to be used on a new ship. I don't know whether they just don't hang on to the Ark Royal. I'm sure that most people listening would love to go and visit it and go and have a look round. You see how vast these places are. And uh, Mr Davis, who has uh, set up uh, a group, save the Ark Royal name, and has written to the Prime Minister, says the Ark Royal is part of naval history. We cannot let it disappear. I absolutely agree. And if you've never been on an aircraft carrier, you need to do it, because it is, they're huge. Absolutely huge. Um, and shoppers might not to believe their mince pies when they saw what a supermarket had on offer. For days, a misspelt sign advertised packs of ice-topping mice pies instead of mince pies. This was an error at Sainsbury's in Dartford, and a store spokesman said, we can assure our customers that no mice were involved in the making of these delicious mince pies. Yeah, right. Because you do get mice everywhere, all over the place. With the papers this morning, with Nick Ferrari, is Miranda Green, journalist and former press secretary to Paddy Ashdown, whilst he was leader of the Lib Dems. And they're going to be talking um, about the bribery at FIFA. 
In fact, actually, people are now associating the X Factor with uh, with the FIFA catastrophe as well. But uh, are we right to be angry, or are we just sore losers? Nick will be talking about that this morning with Mark Ogden and Dmitry Shishkin. Uh, plus, more snow to come. Will we be better prepared this time round, or is it going to be a complete disaster and the whole country grinds to a halt? All of that and more with Nick and the team after the news at seven. With the headlines, Sam Pittis. Londoner's Diary. Available now at lbc.co.uk. I couldn't work out the other day what age you're supposed to be when you start driving properly. And apparently the average Briton doesn't get the hang of driving until they're 59. Researchers examined 4,000 motorists and found those in that age bracket are least likely to have pranged a car in the last 12 months, suffered road rage, or been stopped by the police. So 59, so if you're heading up sort of, you know, 48 foot, forget it, you've got to wait a few more years yet. When you get to 59, you apparently are the best driver you ever could be. I don't know, I've been passed on the motorway by all sorts of people, I don't know what age, I think we should have a thing on the number plate telling you how old the person is driving it. Foreign students are going to be kicked out of Britain, this is because of all the bogus colleges that were set up all over the place to get people in here, and once they're in you can't get rid of them. And uh, now, the Home Office crackdown will see tougher language tests and a tighter college inspection regime. Uh, 500% rise applications coming from Bangladesh, Pakistan, China, India and Nepal. And so what they've done is they've suspended handing out the student visas because they reckon that a good 90% of them um, shouldn't be allowed in because they're, they're just bogus. And in fact, it's, it's a never-ending problem. Once people come in, and there's all sorts of restaurants that take people in, they shouldn't actually be here. But, you know, you look how big the country is. You go to Oslo and they've got 600,000 people in Oslo. Come here, we've got 9 million people in London. Imagine trying to police it. It's just not, not possible at all. Nice picture in the paper today of a, of a group of concerned protesters. Uh, and these are... These are ordinary people, like you, me, next-door neighbour, whatever it is. And what they, they're doing is they're standing around a brazier. They've been there for some time now. Six months they've been there. What are they doing? Standing in a field, uh, protesting. Uh, they want to stop the gypsies building an encampment over the road. They're on Greenbelt land. The council want to get rid of these people. The gypsies want to be rid of them. But six months later, these people are still standing there. They've been given free food and they've got a fridge, and uh, all local businesses have donated. Because what happens on some of these Greenbelt sites is that the travellers move on to them, the next thing is, uh, hardcore is laid down, the next thing, there's houses thrown up on Greenbelt. And all they're saying is, that this is Greenbelt land, there should be the same laws applying to everybody. If you want to put up a garage, or whatever it happens to be, or, you know, an extension on your house, you have to go to the council. These people move in over the weekend, set it all up, and then you can't get rid of them. And as Patsy, a community midwife, says, there seems to be one law for them and another for us. What happened uh, here was this meadow and the land next to it was sold for £100,000 to a, a developer who moved onto the site in the Maybank holiday when the council offices were closed. I mean, imagine having that much money, £100,000 just lying around. And uh, they then put in an application, which, of course, it was refused. So they put in another one. And meanwhile... Dozens of other people turned up onto the site, other travellers, and they stay there as well. And they just keep putting it into a dispute procedure. They're saying it'll go till March, but they're saying it could drag on much, much longer. So I thought the whole idea was, perhaps I've got it wrong, that if, you, if you're a gypsy or a traveller, the idea is you want to travel. I thought that's, I thought that's what the idea was. It's like, you know, being part of fun fairs or like being part of anything else like that. The idea is you like moving to different places. Why would you want to stay in the same place all the time? You might as well just go and buy a house as opposed to moving on to a Greenbelt site, annoying the hell out of everybody, and putting up your own house. There's loads of houses for sale. 
We get stuff through the papers, you know, every day. I would have thought it would have been cheaper that way, or perhaps it's not, I don't know. But uh, when we were doing the show at The Mermaid over the weekend, there were a couple of people I spoke to, and they were going off to the Royal Tournament. Although it's not called the Royal Tournament now, it's called the British Military Tournament. It's the same thing, they still do the field gun race, and 50,000 people enjoyed it over this weekend, which is absolutely fantastic. 500 troops took part. I don't know why we ever, ever axed the Royal Tournament. It ran uninterrupted for 90 years and then it was scrapped 11 years ago to save cash but they put it back on again and it's making money they raised three hundred thousand pounds for british troops injured in recent conflicts isn't it disgusting that we have to have an event which raises money for something the government should be funding itself we have troops injured and you have to have an event like that to raise money abf the soldiers charity which paid a million to stage the event hoped to make the profit of three hundred thousand pounds so it cost them you know seven hundred thousand to uh, to stage it three hundred thousand goes to the charity so that's good isn't it i like that idea but i do think it's the government who should be doing it i just think that on on things like that it's it's just absolutely ludicrous any uh, any other country they wouldn't be doing it over here we have to raise money to look after soldiers who've been injured in the line of duty dreadful isn't it absolutely dreadful uh prince harry uh, has been used on Facebook by a con man, a con man posed as Prince Harry, uh, to steal thousands of pounds intended to help African orphans. More than 20 women in America sent donations to the charity, set up in memory of Princess Diana. The fraudster faked the 26-year-old signature by copying it from a message left on a wreath at Ground Zero. One woman sent 1,500, and it went through a fake account in Western Africa. She said, it's broken my heart. The trouble is you get so many of these scams and people, people do send money and, and they've exposed it on the television, people have talked about it on the radio, people have, you know, talked about it on the news, we've said to people, I've seen people being interviewed on the television who've been caught out by these, by these con men and, and some of them, I'm not even sure whether they were aware they were being conned. Some appear to be aware that they thought they were being conned but they carried on sending money. Well, some man, his, his children, stuck him on the television and he said, I can't believe it. He said, I actually get... He'd given away something like £50,000 to these con men because once, once the, the con men had found him, then passed his details to somebody else and the racket started all over again. And, and you would think that these would be people who perhaps, you know, wouldn't have the, the full shilling. But no, no, no. These were perfectly compass mentors people who appeared to be well aware of scams and cons, but they said it sounded so believable. I've always thought, you know, you must know, mustn't you? If somebody's scamming you and they're saying, oh, do this. That's why I say I never, ever give to chuggers on the street. I never give to beggars. I absolutely don't. There's no excuse unless you're infirm for sitting on the pavement with a dog on a rug. Absolutely ludicrous. As far as I'm concerned, get off your ass, get out there and get a job like the rest of the world does. You know, and that way you'll be a better person. Sitting on your bottom, you know, with a nice new car parked round the corner, for many of them, they've been exposed before, you know, is, is the kind of thing that just annoys me. And I never understand why people give money. And I never understand why people stand there talking to chuggers. But you do, you see it all the time. They're, perhaps they're lonely, perhaps they've got nobody to talk to. So they end up talking to these people. All they want is your details. One woman stood in front of me the other day and said, don't worry, I don't, I, I don't want any money. I thought, no, of course you don't. You want my phone number. That's what you want. You're after my phone number. But their opening line is, don't worry, we don't want any money. They want your phone number. And they want the phone number so that they can bombard you with text messages. That's what they want. So my advice is, do not... You wouldn't give it to an, uh, any other stranger. You wouldn't go up to somebody in a supermarket and say, here's, here's my phone number, call me whenever you like. Don't give it to the chuggers. It's as simple as that. Otherwise, you know, you'll be, you'll be hounded by these people forever and a day. They're out there for ten quid an hour. They're making more money than you are. 
So the advice is, don't give them any money. You want to give to a charity? Give to the charity of your choice. You don't have to, to give to anybody at all. OK, just about it for this morning. If you go to the LBC website, then you can uh, check out all the details on the LBC Advent calendar, the pictures from, uh, from Oslo as well. And uh, 84850, pleasant walk, says Maliki, back to the embankment via the river. London looks great at night, because we came to see you on Saturday night. It was lovely, wasn't it? He said, John Warrington is a very good door host. It is true. And uh, Anne says, had a nice time as well on Saturday, as indeed did everybody, which was good news. 84850, steve at uk. Back with you tomorrow morning. Don't forget to, uh, to check out everything. It says, uh, Cheryl has Nick Norman Wisdom salute. God, that's all. Well, she certainly pitched it from somebody. It certainly can't have been her own, can it? Let's face it. I think it goes back to Bob Holness, and everybody else thinks it was theirs. Back tomorrow morning. Nick and the team with you after the news, which is next, but first of all, Sam Pittis and the business update.